Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Gospel Saving Church. Praise God. I'm so glad you're here. I hope you didn't come to church today to be entertained, because that's not why the Bible says we're supposed to come to church. That, that's not why God desires you to be in church. God desires you to be in church to know more about Him, to come to follow Him more, to come to follow, to begin to follow Him if you're not following Him, and to learn of His ways and to seek His face. That's why we're supposed to be in church. Praise God. If this is your first time here, hello, I'm Pastor Ed Spagnoli, and this is Gospel Saving Church, one of God's true churches of these last days. And this is our weekly broadcast of truth from God's Word. Well, we always start with a word of prayer, so if you guys will please join me, and uh, let's ask the Lord to help us understand His Word today. Lord, thank you so much, <coughs> excuse me, Lord, for bringing us this new day. Lord, there's, the, according to statistics, Lord, there's there's multitudes of people, Lord God, that were alive yesterday that aren't alive today because the people die at an exponential rate all over the world. Lord God, people are dying. People are even dying right now. <clears throat> but Lord, for those of us that are here right now in, in this church and those of us that are out in the world, Lord God, that are tuning in SoundCloud and Facebook or wherever they're coming from, Lord God, we, we have another day. Lord, thank you for this new and beautiful day. Lord, I pray that we would not take it for granted, that we wouldn't just say, oh, we've got another day. Wow. Okay, great. I pray, Lord God, that we would cherish it and we would cherish, number one, our relationship with you if we have one. Number two, our relationship with our families and our loved ones and our kids and our wives and our our mothers and our fathers. Lord, I pray that we would enjoy those relationships, Lord God, while we have them. For, Lord, we take it for granted. We think we're always going to be here. We think, well, things are always going to be the same. But, Lord, they're not. They, they change. So, God, help us and help us to follow you more if we belong to you. We thank you. We love you. And we praise you. And ask that you help us understand your word. Help us apply your word to our lives today. And, and help us, Lord God, to rest in you and trust in you. We thank you and love you and ask all these things, Lord God, in Jesus Christ's mighty name. Amen. We're going to be in Acts chapter 23 today, and the title of our message is The Road of Suffering. So last week, remember, we took a break from normal, from our normal verse-by-verse teaching through the book of Acts, and we listened to a powerful message about prayer from a, a very, very, very good and old and dear friend of mine. Not that he's old, but I've known him for a long time. His name is Darren Shuttlebauer, and I talked about him last week, and, and I, I wrote him up in the overview, and so I hope that if you're in that area, you visited his church, and maybe you're going to make that your home church. He's, he's an awesome man of God. And anyway, he talked about why prayer was good and how God wants us to pray. And, you know, Christians, uh, how, we're, how Jesus said when we pray, not if we pray. And, and, and when he was just an awesome, it was an answer to prayer for me uh, as far as prayer was concerned as I was seeking God on prayer, and I hope it is an encouraging sermon to you as well, too. It, it, it gave me so much, and it refreshed me, and, and I hope it did as well for you, too. Prayer is so important for God's kids. It, it's it, As Darren and his congregation talked about, it's our communication with God. And, and I don't know if you know this or not, but in a war, and Darren talked about how we, we are in a war right now, and we're in a spiritual war, and that's true. Well, in a war, in real war, and in like the real front lines and the real army and the real wars that we, this world has, has had, there's, there's one thing that the opposing uh, army tries to do to try to destroy 
their foe. And the number one thing that they go at, they go to attack, is the communication of their, of their enemy. Whoever their enemy is, their foe, they try to knock out communications. Because you see, once communication goes down, then those that are in this area and those that are in this area and those that are in this area, they can't communicate. And when the left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing, well, then really you're just uh, waiting to fall apart. So prayer with God's kids is the same way. We have to keep a communication with God because we need to know where he wants us. We need to hear from him on a daily basis. We need to know what he wants us to do or what he doesn't want us to do. And, when, and he wants to hear us too. He made us for a relationship. Just go to Genesis 1, 2, and 3. You'll, you'll see God, God walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the garden. So anyway, prayer is so important for God's kids. Don't forget that. Pray, 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 pray. And when you think I've prayed enough, pray some more. Anyway, this week, uh, enough of last week, this week we're going to get back to our normal, uh, back to the book of Acts teaching. Uh, We're going to be back in Acts chapter 23. That's where we left off. But first, because we took a week off and away from our last Acts sermon, I'm going to do a very short recap to get us back up to speed so that we kind of know where we are or where, where we were and so on and so forth. So two weeks ago, remember, Acts chapter 23, verse 1 through 10, verses 1 through 10, we read of a Roman commander who wanted to find out why the Jews were attacking Paul to kill him. Number two, how he made the Jews come to a controlled environment trial to try to get to try to find out, remember, why Paul was guilty. Remember, nobody wants to kill or do what the things that the Jews wanted to do to Paul if he was innocent. They just, they just don't. So number three, the Jews come to the trial and Paul begins to address them, but his address, remember, wasn't as respectful as it should have been toward the high priest, which was there. And, and so the high priest commands Paul to be struck. We talked about how Paul should have known he was there, but didn't. And that turned into our major thrust of our sermon being that Paul actually ended up being partially blind. We could see that very easily in that sermon. And the reasons I came to that conclusion is because he neither knew that the high priest nor the Sadducees nor the Pharisees were there, and he should have because they were all in close proximity to one another and they were all dressed in a certain special type of clothing that well set them apart from the normal Jew of the day. People, when they walked down the street, people knew that was the high priest. I mean, from a far way away, Paul was close. He, he should have known. And then remember, uh, uh, in the midst of Paul's mistaken disrespect to the high priest and the harsher than should have been re- response by the high priest, you know, striking him, he, he didn't deserve a strike. I could understand a correction, but it didn't need to be a strike. But remember, they had no love for Paul. Well, Paul realizes that his trial isn't going well already and realizes, wow, I've already got hit. You know, this ain't going well. He decides to speak a statement to divide his audience so that they would forget about the enemy that they believed him to be because of his teaching of Jesus Christ. And he wanted to get them to focus on their mutual bigger enemy, which was, remember, resurrection, no resurrection, how many books of the Bible were actually inspired by God, how many weren't, you know, which ones were divine, which ones were just man. And so that worked, his statement worked, and they begin to fight. And the commander perceives these two groups dispute as, hey, these guys are starting to fight. Paul, I bet you he he could get taken out. So verse 10 of last week, he commands the soldiers to go down and take Paul by force from among them. 
and bring them back into the barracks. They weren't really going to go after Paul. They were fighting with each other, but the commander didn't want Paul to get caught in the crossfire and killed before he found out why he was guilty. Probably a good idea. Their conflict, again, wasn't with Paul at this time. But, you know, when fists start flying and, and beards start getting pulled and all of a sudden uh, somebody comes along, Paul just takes one person to kill another person. Even just one person, he comes along, Paul, as they're in a brawl, and all of a sudden Paul ends up, you know, strangled to death on the floor of the wherever they were when they were having this meeting. Now, all right, now we're up to speed. we got to begin our sermon again. Um, big surprise today. I, I, I really hope that we have time to read over all of this stuff. Normally, I read it over sooner, but today we're gonna we're gonna be in Acts twenty three. We got a lot of verses to read today. Not, I'm just kidding. We just got one, one verse today. Acts twenty three, eleven. I know you're probably thinking, what? We're gonna read just one verse, but that's all right. It's all good. It's just one verse, but the sermon is full of goodness. So if you guys want to read Acts twenty three eleven with me, please. Uh, The Bible says this, after all of that commotion that we just read about at the trial. But the following night, the Lord stood by him and said, Be of good cheer, Paul, for as you have testified for me in Jerusalem, so you must also bear witness at Rome. See, before Jesus Christ meets with Paul here, Paul had been through a lot of garbage, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, just as we read of during that trial there. Going back a while, just some of the hard stuff Paul had been through. Number one, going all the way back to Acts chapter 20. Now we're a few chapters later, remember. Acts chapter 20, Paul had told us that from city to city, as he was talking to the Ephesian elders, that he was traveling to Jerusalem. As he was going there, the Holy Spirit kept telling him the bad stuff was waiting for him in Jerusalem. That's that's stressful. You know, it's comforting to know what's coming. You know, God doesn't always let us know what's coming. But it's stressful to continue to know that when I get to the city, well, I mean, basically the poop's going to hit the fan kind of thing. I mean, and I'm going to be right in the middle of it. So that's stressful. Number two, he had his passionate and long goodbyes with the Ephesian elders, remember, also warning them of all the garbage that was heading their way. And remember, he loved them. And of course, who that loves someone wants to see them go through pain and torture and hardship? Well, nobody. So that was hard on Paul. Number three, Acts 21 now, a group of disciples, after they finally make it to one city, try to dissuade him from going up to Jerusalem, thinking that God actually told Paul not to go. And that's a bit confusing. Oh, wait a minute. Now God's been telling me. Now all of a sudden these guys say that God's not telling me. I mean, that's, that's, that's hard. Right? Because you're like, you're trying to see God and trying to do what God wants. And here you have two conflicting ideas coming at you. That's hard. Number four, Acts 21 again, in Caesarea, a prophet of God named Agabus. Remember, he comes and he dramatically shows Paul and his close close travel companions and Christian friends the terrible things that are going to come against Paul in Jerusalem. And those whom he's with powerfully try to talk him out of going, which he says, we'll read it a little later, breaks 
his heart because they were weeping and pleading with him not to go. Well, that's stressful. You know, that's that's kind of a hard ordeal to go through. You know, your friends, they hear, you've been telling them, I'm sure he was telling them all along, hey, this is the things that are going, going to happen to me in Jerusalem. And then this guy Agabus comes along and he kind of dramatically puts on this show with Paul's belt and, and wraps himself up and does all this stuff. And, you know, that's, that's hard to go through. But number five, let's keep going. Once he gets to Jerusalem, his fellow apostles, the big 11, that are there, tell him that the Jews are really angry with him because of his teaching of Jesus Christ. And they don't tell the Jews that they actually agree with Paul about his teaching about Jesus Christ and the law of Moses being phased out. Not that it wasn't a good thing to for a Jew to keep as, as a good moral way to live, but understand that wasn't the way to righteousness before God or salvation. So, of course, that's what Paul was teaching. And, of course, the, his, his, his fellow apostles didn't tell the Jews, and so the Jews were angry with Paul. So the big, the big original apostles send Paul on a mission to appease the Jews in the temple. Number six, the Jews see him in the temple and they don't buy his fake mission. And the garbage begins to come Paul's way as they, remember, they seize him and drag him out of the temple and begin what? Beating him to kill him. Enter number seven. Remember now, right now our current, we read about two weeks ago, the Roman commander. The Roman commander hears this. He brings his troops. He brings, you know, uh, he brings his soldiers down and he steps in to save him. That's a good thing. But then remember Paul, out of his love, he says, hey, can I speak to them? And he, and he starts to give them his testimony, which is good. I'm, I'm sure he felt vibrant. You know, I'm sure he felt revived as he's doing it. But number eight, as they're listening to his testimonial about his life, when he gets to the part where he tells them, hey, Jesus Christ told me, hey, the Jews aren't accepting me. Hey, move on. Let's go to the Gentiles. They rise up again, which is rejection. So not only were, so they reject him there, and then they start to go after him to hurt him again. So not only do we does he have rejection of the spiritualness of Jesus Christ, but he's got the rejection of himself. And then they're wanting to kill him again. I'm, I may be thinking he thinks this is it, and he's probably relieved. Oh yeah, they're gonna kill me. This is I'm gonna go to be with Jesus. But then ah, number nine, the Roman commander steps in again to save him, which is. Good for his physicalness, but remember, it's not so good. He wanted, probably wanted to go home, so it's kind of good and bad. He's kind of mixed there. Remember, it is better for me, Paul says, it is better for me to stay here for you, but, but for me, it's better if, you know, if I were to go home, so I'm, I'm torn between the two. But number nine, anyway, the Roman commander steps in to save him again, which is good but bad, but then gives orders to flog him and beat him because he believes that Paul must be guilty of doing something wrong because, again, no one attacks to kill anyone for no, re no reason. And, you know, what, what was that? A beating? I haven't done anything wrong. These people are already trying to kill me. They hate me. I'm trying to, I'm trying to help them have eternal life. And yet here now, now I'm going to get beaten by this Roman commander. I haven't done anything wrong. Wow, really? I'm this, so you see, the, you see where Paul's going here. Number 10, Paul gives the Romans a question to defend himself, and it works, but the commander still wants to know why the Jews think he's guilty. So number 11 in our last one is trial. The trial of two weeks ago's message. And in my recap of that message, we already talked about how that trial went. And that trial, remember, didn't even get into, it didn't even make the five-minute mark. Before five minutes was up, it was an opening. Oh, brother, dear brothers, uh, uh, strike him. And that was it. So the trial literally lasted like less than one minute. And the, the less than one minute that it had was horrible and terrible for Paul. 
So again, Paul had just been through quite a long and awful time of emotional, physical, and spiritual garbage leading up to this moment where Jesus Christ comes. And on the good side, for the most part, Paul kept calm through all of it. He, he only broke down with the Ephesian elders, and that was just the sadness of, hey, these bad things are going to come, and I'm going to miss you guys. Remember, he was there three full years. And then he broke down again when Agabus gave his strong message where he wrapped himself up, and he got all, you know, got very involved and got very graphic about what was going to happen to Paul. And he broke down there. Um, his heart was broken because his, his compadres were pleading with him not to go. So Paul, for the most part, kept calm, except for a couple times. But here, obviously, Jesus Christ sees into people's hearts, and he sees into Paul's heart, and he sees that Paul is not doing so well. And because Jesus Christ sees Paul's anguish, he, verse 11 again, but the following night, so this would be the night after that terrible trial, so they had that terrible trial during the day, uh, he was still kind of in custody. He, he was kind of arrested, but kind of not arrested. He kind of had to stay with them, but he wasn't really officially arrested, but he still didn't have his freedom. So that's not really a good situation. He couldn't go home. He couldn't go back to be with his compadres. You know, he was basically kind of like bound up with these, with these Roman commander and his soldiers, you know. So then he's with them the whole rest of that day, went on that trial, and then the whole next rest of the day, nothing's going on, because it says then the, the next night, but the following night, which means he was there for a day with the trial, a day after the trial, nothing. He's just, Roman commander's probably thinking about what he should do, he's probably consulting his, his fellow comrades, fellow, you know, bosses, and he doesn't know what to do, but Paul, anyway, he's in limbo. He's not being attacked and killed, maybe he would have liked that, but now he's just kind of stuck. Stuck in the middle of nowhere, and it says the following night, the Lord stood by him and said, Be of good cheer, Paul. Well, what does this mean? This means, number one, that Paul was upset, and he wasn't doing well emotionally, and he probably wasn't doing good physically here either because i mean remember he had just been like beaten like a couple few times and and uh some, some all the travel that he had gone through he was probably tired so jesus sees that he's upset because why well nobody not even including god almighty or jesus christ himself comes to somebody and says hey cheer up man everything's gonna be all right nobody says that unless you're in a bad mood Right? If somebody, if somebody, praise you, Lord, thank you, Jesus. All right, I'm so glad for this day. Nobody comes up and goes, hey, man, come on, cheer up. Right? So Paul, proving here, Jesus saw he was upset. So Paul, struggling with his situation and probably the garbage he had just been through while, you know, just trying to get to Jerusalem, and he was unhappy. He was distraught, maybe even grieving here and again. I can't say I really blame him. I've been where he is. Not quite to the same circumstances, but, but as far as bad things, we'll, we'll talk about that later, but I've been where Paul is, and it's really depressing. Nothing's going your way. Nothing's going the way you thought it was. Yeah, you've gotten persecuted, but now, okay, is there going to be an end to this? What's going to happen? So he's feeling completely normal considering her, his circumstances, and then Christ goes on to say, and this is what I love. This, this is where we're going to, we are going to sit here, and, and this is going to be the majority of our message. He says here, For as you have testified for me in Jerusalem, so you must also bear witness at Rome. So Jesus Christ shows up at just the right time, 
because Paul was bummed out. And with his coming and what he says to Paul, be of good cheer. And then his words of future work and usefulness from Paul, Jesus Christ gives Paul, number one, the assurance that he's still with him. Wow. Right in the middle of despair, Jesus, hey, here I am, Paul. Hey, cheer up. He's still with him. Number two, the confirmation he's on God's path. That was the number two awesome thing that Christ gave Paul there. And, and number three, he gave him probably, you know, I would say just as great as the others. I'm not done with you. Hey, you know, just like you served me here, you're going to serve me in Rome too. I, I still got work for you. You're still on my path. I still got work for you. Paul was at the bottom of the barrel and Jesus Christ comes and lifts up his spirits. Remember, Paul had admitted to his close comrades in Acts 21 after Agabus spoke of Paul's gruesome fate in Jerusalem, if he were to go, because, you know, of course, we all have our free will. He says to his friends, verse 13, why do you, why, what do you mean by weeping and breaking my heart? For I'm, not ready, for I'm not only ready to be bound, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of Jesus Christ. I think Paul was kind of hoping on, hey, I've been through a lot. I've done a lot for Christ. You know, I can't really see. I, I really struggle, you know, the, the, the church. You know what, Lord? Maybe it's time, you know, it's, maybe you're just calling me home. Maybe you're sending me on this trip in, in Jerusalem. That's where it's going to end. But, of course, we know it didn't. Paul's still there, still alive. So he, he was already ready to be bound and to die in Jerusalem, but now he's in the midst of that time. And, obviously, he's upset with how things have gone for him, probably even because He's had no success witnessing to those who he's been trying to win to Christ, right? And they've been rejecting him. Rejection in hard hearts is tough to work through. I I did street ministry and and trying to lead a church now for the last 18 years for Christ. And and I'll tell you, when you get rejected and, and people scorn you, it's hard. It's hard emotionally. It's hard. It's hard spiritually. It's hard physically. Uh, much, you know, much, you know. Oh man, God, am I where you want me to be? And that's where I'm sure Paul was. God, is is this really what you had for me? I mean, I'm nothing. I mean, I, I came close to dying twice already. You didn't let me take him out. I'm ready to come be with you. How, how can this be? of you, Lord. How? And then Jesus Christ shows up here, and he's so good to those who are on the tough road of suffering for him, where our title comes from, the road Paul was on. Remember, Christ had told his disciple Ananias in Acts 9.16 that he was going to show him, that would be Paul, how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. That's what Jesus Christ said. And up till now, Christ has done just that with Paul. He had a total road of suffering for Paul at every turn. Thinking about how Paul was on a road of suffering for Jesus Christ might seem harsh, but it was Paul's lot in life for Jesus Christ. It was also the road of those in the Philippian church. Philippians 1, 29-30, Paul writes this to them, For to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in Him, but also to suffer for His name's sake, having the same conflict which you saw in me, and now here is in me. So hey guys, just as you've seen me go through, just all the garbage and the, you know, the persecution and the, the, the beatings and whatever you've seen me go through, hey, that, that's for you too. Hey, that, and, and then he says, for it has been granted on behalf of Christ. So it's like Christ gives this road 
to certain people. And Paul and the Philippians and, and me, myself, and others also, are, I have been on this road. So some people are destined to have this kind of walk with the Lord, and that's just how it goes. But it's not a bad thing. Let me explain. Jesus Christ has a reason for everything that he allows his kids to go through. How do I know that? Because I trust him, because that's what he says in his word. Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and to those who are the called according to his purpose. Well, what are all things? Well, that's only the ones in column A, B. No. All things are all things. And if God says all things work for, you know, for the good of those who are his and are called according to his purpose. And that means that every single thing that he allows to happen to us is somehow good for us. We may not understand this, but this is what God says, and I trust him. He's a good God, and he's a loving God, and he's an awesome God. And this is what he says, and I trust him, and I know he's good. And that means that even when the bad things happen, notice I said when the bad things happen. When the bad things happen, or, or we are one of those destined for the road of suffering for Jesus Christ, that even these things are working somehow for good for us. That may seem like rough information for you to hear today, and, and it is tough to hear, and I know because I'm called to walk this walk with the Lord Jesus Christ, and, and it is a tough road. But if you belong to him and he calls you to the road of suffering, then you must trust that it is good, as he says, and it is good to just surrender to it and to stop fighting it or being in anguish about it or being upset about it. It's good to just say, hey, Lord, I commit everything unto you, my heart, my body, my soul, everything you got at all. Whatever you allow me to go through, well, that's what you're going to let me to go through. But now that being said of how tough this walk of suffering is for Jesus Christ, in Paul's case, Jesus had been so faithful to come to him and encourage him in ways that most Christians only dream of. And I can say he's done the same with me too on my road of suffering. Paul got to literally see Jesus Christ more than one time. I'm, I'm waiting for that one. I can't wait till I have that one happen. Paul received more revelations and had more miracles happen to him and through him than most all people that are recorded scripturally in the Bible. Paul did more things. He preached the gospel to more places. He saw more people come to Christ. He... he he had more awesome things happen to him for God and in Jesus Christ than anybody else recorded in all of Scripture. And I have seen God do some holy and amazing things in me and through me as well, too. The way he spoke with Paul was incredible, and I can say the same also. So although the road of suffering for his name's sake is a hard one, I must admit that the walk is well worth the pain because those like Paul and I get to know Christ and God in a more immensely deeper and much more powerful than the normal follower 
gets to know God. Speaking of this immensely deeper and much more powerful way that one of his kids that's on the road of suffering has with Jesus Christ, just consider Jesus Christ's message to Paul in this message in this section again. Here I am, Paul, literally. I mean, you know, this, this is just what Paul needed. Paul was down and out. He needed to literally see Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ knew what he needed, and he shows up. Literally stands there where Paul can see him and and stand next to him. Just as a reminder, hey, I'm with you. I'm right here with you. I know things are tough. I know things are hard, but I'm standing right next to you. And Christ has done the same for me just without his visage. Understand. But his next one, he says, I'm with you. And then you're still on the path I want you on. Hey, you're doing what I want you to do, and I'm not done with you yet. This is so encouraging to someone on this road because the devil likes to make you think. Here's the number one thing that the devil makes wants to make you think if you're on the road to suffering for Jesus Christ. And you may know it, and you may know it innately, and God has maybe shown it to you. But the devil comes and he goes, oh man, look, how can this be? How can you be suffering so much for Jesus Christ? How? How can this be of him? Come on. You know you did. Remember that thing you did last week? Oh, remember how you talked to your wife the other day? Oh, remember that thought you had when you saw that girl pass by the other? See, you're only suffering because you're a sinner. And you know what? You and you know what? You've walked away from God, and so he's making you go through all this, so you know, because he's punishing you. And that's the lies that the devil comes with and he tries to put in your mind as you're walking through the road to suffering. So Christ's message to Paul actually also has much significance to me as well, too. Amazingly, I couldn't believe it. I'll get to it in a second, but for the, I'll, I'll kind of set the stage. For the last six to seven years, Jesus Christ has given me this same exact message. Just as he did again with this message that I'm teaching right now. And maybe that he's doing with you right now if you're on the road to suffering for him and you're seeking him. Is this your will? And is this suffering? Is this really what you want from me? I, have I done something wrong, Lord? Uh, why, is all, why are all these bad things happening to me? Lord, how can this be you? Well, here you go. <laughs> this message is for you. And listen, for me, I didn't intend that this idea, the main point of this message, uh, be what it was until I was well into its preparation. I had no idea. I, the, the title was a, was a, was a toss-up between the road of suffering and I'm not done with you yet. Because really, the two main themes are right there. Paul's on the road to suffering, and Christ comes and gives him the message, I'm here with you, I love you, and I'm not done with you. And in fact, like I said, this is exactly the same message that Christ has given to me, and I never saw it. I've read this section 30, I've read and listened to this section probably 30 to 40 times in my 18 years with Christ. I love the book of Acts. I love the New Testament. I mean, I love the whole Bible, mind you, but I've listened to the more listened and read the New Testament more than I've listened and read to the Old Testament. So, and I've never seen Christ's message to Paul saying what I realized that it was just this week. That message again, here I am, Paul, literally, and I'm with you. And you're still on the path that I want you on. Be of good cheer up. I'm here. It's okay. 
You're right where I want you to be. And you know what? I'm not done with you. Just as you're done here, I'm going to send you off and you're going to have a whole nother path to go on. You think this is the end? No, this isn't the end. And you know what? It's not even close to the end. I got a lot more for you to do. And, and Paul was in Rome for years before Nero beheaded him in around 65 AD, around the time when Peter died. And, and, and here we're, we're only maybe in, in the mid-50s or early 50s when Paul is suffering right here in the book of Acts. So God had a whole bunch of ministry left for Paul to do. And he shows up and he tells him, and, and, and wow, that core message, I'm with you and I'm not done with you yet. What a message from Christ. What a message from Christ with that one that's on the road of suffering. Again, I, I can't you know, quit thinking it. it's amazing because the same message, this is the same message that Jesus Christ has been giving me of, for my life for the last six or seven years because for the last six or seven years of my life, I've been on the road of suffering for Jesus Christ as well. It, it all started, I, w- I was at this one church, uh, well, six or seven years ago, eight years ago now. And, and I was, at, I would call it the top of my game. That's what I would call it. I was, I was preaching the gospel every Friday, uh, a couple Saturdays a month. I, 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 had a, I had a people that were learning from me how to teach the gospel. God had gifted me as an evangelist. I was, I, I, I mean, what, what God said through me and how he got through to me, for, you know, through the people, through me and the questions that he'd give me. I mean, God would rock people's worlds all the time through me. And all the people in the church, they all saw it and they all wanted to... <laughs> I had more outreach uh, participation than I think churches of, we, we, we were at a church, it was maybe 300 people. And, and yet I had more participation percentage-wise in this church of 300 than, than churches that have 10,000 people have. I had more participation that wanted to evangelize and, and learn how to evangelize than any, any churches I've heard of at 10 times the size. And that was my, that was my top of my game. I was thinking, man, maybe, maybe God's going to give me the ministry like, you know, the way of the master or, or you know, some other, you know, where I, I'm just going to be, you know, it's going to be a ministry just for outreach and it's going to be something that, that grows. It's a, an entity on its own, you know, that works with the church and, and, and so on and so forth. And, and that was my top of my game. That was, that was, I thought I had arrived where I was arriving and then it was going to just continue to, the ceiling was going to continue to blow out. And then all at that pinnacle, all of a sudden, I, I come downstairs from this one meeting where there's some awesome things happened to advance this work that the Lord was doing through me. And I sat in my car, and as I sat there, I heard the words of Christ, the words of God. And, they said, the, and he said, the rain is coming. The rain is coming. My wrecks, I thought, man, praise God. That man, the rain's coming. Usually when rains come, the dry, you know, it's a drought and the rains need to come and then it's going to you know, water the, 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 the crops and then the crops are going to grow even more. I thought, man, this is it, Lord. This is it. Praise you. This, 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 things are going to take off and people are going to come to Christ like you know, in, in the past and great revelation, great spiritual awakening. Man, here we go. But what it really meant was the rain was coming, well, the rains of Noah purged pretty much everything off the earth and destroyed the face of the earth. And these rains that were coming, God didn't mean them to stop. They were coming, and they're still falling today. The rains coming meant that I lost everything. 
Shortly after that, one of the pastors there decided that I was somehow against the church and attacking the church and wrote some really bad things about me and basically took me out of the ministry, even though I had done nothing wrong. Wow, what? On top pinnacle? To, to, to the, uh, yeah, I was sold up the river. One of my closest brothers in the Lord. Actually, he, uh, <laughs> they went to defend me. My, my team went to defend me against this fellow who had come against me and um, ended up joining their side because they were given an ultimatum, I think. It's, it's this fellow or, you know, you're going against the church. And even though I had done no wrong, uh, well, they chose the church and they, they didn't choose me. And so the, the main, and then the main fellow ended up, and I'll get to that in a minute, the main fellow actually gives me the main message that I'm talking to you here about right now. But anyway, my whole world fell apart. And up until this very day, Sunday, October 21st, 2018, the majority of the spiritual ministry that God has had me involved in, to me, has been disastrous. Little fruit here, little fruit there, little fruit here, little fruit there. Just as a lot of fruit starts to come, all of a sudden the rains pour harder and the fruit goes away. Number two, I'm treated like a plague by 99% of the Christian world. Number three, several multiple times I've been betrayed by those who I thought were real and true blood Christian brothers and sisters in Christ. Number four, I've been abandoned by most all of those I believed to be close believers in Christ. And number five, one of the worst of them all, just for a few, my oldest kid turned prodigal. He ran ran away from the Lord. And it kills me. It kills me. Uh, things are not much better in my physical life. A couple years ago, number one, my father passed away at the young age of 74. And for today's day and age, 2018, 74 is young. But that's not the worst part. Number two, he left me with my physically ill, mentally ill mother who's in later stage dementia. Number three, just recently, she's gotten worse. Of course, we take care of her at home here. And my wife had to go part-time down at her job so she could give her more care, which hurt me financially. Number four, I, I've had various medical conditions, one resulting in the loss of an organ. I had to have surgery. I had to have my thyroid taken out. I don't know where I was just went bad and that was it. And the money and the cost and, and the pain and, you know, uh, others that are current, I have this severe allergic reaction and nobody knows what it is. I, I just, I have to take a, an allergic pill uh, because I don't, I get itchy all over my body and it just doesn't stop. And there's nothing in my life that I'm allergic to. And yet there it is. And, 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 and lastly, I got this tension. This pressure in my shoulders that just emulates, just radiates out of my shoulders, and it feels like my chest and my shoulders are going to explode. Yet, I've been to the doctor, and I've said, Doc, what's wrong with me? I feel like this thing. He checks my blood pressure. They do blood work. You're perfectly healthy. Oh, you're a little overweight, but you know, you're perfectly healthy. So what, what, what's this? What is this? It's called the road of suffering for Jesus Christ, the same one that Paul is on. Peter, I remember, speaks in one of his epistles. He, th he says, hey, guys, don't, don't worry about these crazy things that are happening to you right now as, as if, you know, wow, what's going on? He goes, don't worry. The testing of your faith produces, and then he goes on to say oh, oh, a bunch of good things. And so the road of suffering is the road of suffering, and it's hard. 
and it's difficult. Yet with all that's gone wrong with me, with my family and the ministry, as I sought the Lord in dire distress, in agony and in tears as to why this has all happened to me and for the what's next physically or spiritually if there is a next on this earth for me and my family. Like, you know, thinking, is this going to destroy me? Like, maybe I'll just be destroyed. Maybe all of these things will happen because, you know, God's angry. Here's that, here's that thing about the devil again. Hey, God's angry with me. All this is happening because he's angry with me. And, you know, he's, God's going to destroy me because he's angry with me because I've done something wrong. Because, I, you know, because I ticked God some way, somehow, and then that's the, the, the lightning bolt's coming. And yet, although Jesus Christ has given me no specifics as to the details of what's next, even though I plead with him daily, tell me what's next, Lord. He only tells me as I cry out to him when I'm down and out, like I'm sure Paul was here in his situation, Jesus Christ has given me, just like Paul, the confirmation of his presence in my life. And his message, literally, by the literal words of others, I'm with you and I'm not done with you yet. <laughs> and his exact, his exact message to me, I'm not done with you yet, I'm just getting started, came literally right as my world was falling apart. The main fellow, my main right hand, who was the one who was right there with me and disagreed with the attack that came, that started my world to crumbling, he calls me in the midst of it all because I said to him, that's it, dude. I think I've done something wrong. God's angry with me. The lightning bolt has come. I'm going to be destroyed. He calls me one day before everything, like before it got as bad as it really did a little few days later, a week later, he calls me and says, dude, I, got, I had a vision or a dream or, uh, last night from the Lord. I, he, 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 he wants me to tell you something. And I said, well, what, man? What? A, a lightning bolt? I'm, you know, looking for it to come any moment, you know? And he goes, no, the Lord said, he told me, he's not done with you. He's just getting started. And since then, six to seven years ago, when I got this phone call from my, from the, 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 like this guy who mainly stabbed me in the back as I continued to go down this road for Jesus Christ, Jesus, God Almighty, has brought the same exact words of this message to me. He's not done with you. And he's given it to me through the mouths of multiple people, even again through my own mouth today, as I did not intend that this actually be part of the mess. I did not, wasn't thinking, oh, I'm going to relate my story in there. This is what I literally saw God or Christ saying to Paul when Paul was down and out, because that's what he said. I'm here. Hey, I'm right here. Cheer up. And I'm not done with you yet. You still got more work for me. Wow. Right. And the crazy things that you may be thinking, well, you know, Pastor Ed, you know, you had all these people, they, they know your situation. You, you've explained it to them like you have us. No! The crazy things about the things, the times this message has come from God through, through the years through, from others is that none of them knew me intimately, personally enough to know that I was on the road of suffering. I didn't even know up until a couple years ago or a year and a half ago that I was on the road. So I just thought it, I wasn't sure what I should call it. But now, obviously, it's the road of suffering because Paul was on it. And number two, because I didn't know them personally enough uh, I, to tell them of this story. I, I didn't know any of them enough to say, hey, you know, you know, just what's happened to me. No, I didn't know any. I didn't know any. I didn't know these people. They just like came out of nowhere. And then things happened, and then other words came from the radio or the, you know, the, the music. It's, it's been amazing. And they've just been random 
people that as I prayed and sought the Lord in my despair, tears, and pain, as I'm sure Paul was right here and there, right here in this section of Scripture, they just showed up to give me a message of approval from the Lord to tell me, no, let me know He's still with me and He's not done with me yet. Some of these literal experiences I've gone public with, and they're called God is Real video testimonials. They're on the website. They're, they're on our, our SoundCloud page, which you'd be better off finding them on. On our, on our webpage. Anyway, listen, guys, girls, kids of all ages, Jesus Christ may have one of his kids on the road of suffering, you even maybe, but he also knows how to encourage and strengthen them or you in amazing ways as you or they seek him in his direction for your or their lives. Uh, these ways are his, uh, these ways of his are part of that closer more intimate and powerful relationship that he gives those that are on the road of suffering that he put that he puts some people on like I spoke of earlier. Uh, now it turns out uh, enough about how this message pertains to me, but my story is not unique as God has allowed me to come upon situations and talk to people with like situations to mine throughout this last six or seven years. As I've been on the road of suffering for Christ, I've heard of many others who have journeyed similar paths. Their stories are dramatically different than mine, but they share many of the same elements as I've experienced. Uh, betrayal, rejection, scorn, kicked to the curb and away from a life's work for Christ in churches. God used them to start. That blew me away. That that is not, an, I, if you didn't know, there have been many who have started churches like God used me to start Gospel Saving Church. And then as the church grew, 20 and 30 years later, there's, there's actual accounts of pastors, their congregations have fired them after they started from 5, 10, 20 people in their home. And then 30 years later, they have 500. And then their congregation fires them. And that was their life's work for Christ. I couldn't imagine. That's a road of suffering. Wow. Uh, sickness. <laughs> Same as me. Being attacked physically, tortured, some murdered, leaving family members or leaving families behind to suffer without their super loving, you know, Christ loving one, loved one that, that's been taken away from them, having to live life without them. Uh, seven, being taken to court and sued by radical, sinful, loving sinners and then losing everything because they refused to compromise. And God allowed it. God allowed it. Remember, for good, but God allowed it. And the list can go on and on, but I think you get the picture. Again, not the same story as mine, but with many of the same details to the road of suffering. Now, before I continue to talk about those on the road of suffering for Christ, I must make a little aside for just a few minutes to address a common misconception about this road of suffering for Christ. Understand, this, this road of suffering that I'm speaking about today is not meant for you to receive it as if talking about those that are suffering literally due to their own wrongdoings and bad and sinful decisions in their lives. Uh, Given example, uh, giving examples, uh, I, I used to do ministry down in the streets of Harry Hines and Walnut Hill area and the downtown Dallas area. And I, I had, uh, you know, guys here and there that were down and out and homeless and eating out of trash cans and begging for money every day. Well, you know, this road, I'm on this road for God and God's got me down here. 
And, and I'm like, well, wait a minute, dude. Hold on a second. When, you tell me, well, you know, 10 years ago, I just hit the bottle and I, that's it. I just, I just never looked back. And, then, and I'm like, wait a minute, you think you're on a road for Christ? Christ has you down here? And, and, and you were the one that, that went ahead and hit the bottle and became an alcoholic 10 years ago? And you think this is from Christ? I'm sorry, dude. You're around here because you put yourself down here. Uh, uh, people, I don't have enough money. Why? Well, I got I got five kids from four different men, and I'm not married to any of them. And, and now I can't even pay my bills, and and then you know none of them stayed with me. Well, oh Jesus, why have why have you why are you giving me this road of suffering, Lord? Why are why are you allowing this to happen to me? That would be a big buzzer. Eh. You're not in that situation because God and Christ put you there. You're there because you made bad, sinful, anti-Christ decisions that put you there. You can't say, oh, I'm here because Jesus Christ wants me here or Jesus Christ has me here because you've done things that God's Word said don't do. And you are reaping what you sowed. You, you did stupid, sinful things, and now you reap what you sow. Uh, tra- uh, doing 100 miles, not, 100 miles an hour in a school zone of 20, and all of a sudden, cop pulls you over, and you go to prison for 20 years for, for, for attempted manslaughter. Oh, God, why is this road of suffering happening to me? Well, because, knucklehead, you can't do 80 miles an hour over the speed limit in a school zone and not expect that you're, they're not going to arrest you because you, they thought you were trying to kill somebody. Oh, but Jesus Christ put me here. No, I'm sorry. That's because you were sinful. You did a stupid, sinful thing, and you're, that's your fault. So anyway, this road of suffering is not for you. I, I worked with a girl uh, just this past summer uh, before this recent school year who ha- had several kids with a couple different guys, all in fornication, both current and past. Uh, she swore like a sailor, uh, living a sinful life, doing the things that she wanted to do, and yet, in the midst of all her despair, oh, it's okay, because Jesus Christ is going to help me. He He's here with me. He He's, you know, he's for me. He's, you know, he's allowing this, but it's okay. It's just the devil. No, I'm sorry. That is not true. And I had to tell her, this is not from God. If you were following Christ, you wouldn't be in this situation right now. If you were doing and living a life like Christ said to live, you wouldn't be where you are now. So this is not something from Christ. This is not the devil attacking you. The devil, if you live in sinful ways and you practice sin as a way of life, the Bible says that you don't even belong to God. You actually belong to the devil. The devil's your master and Lord. And you're suffering because you're an enemy of God and not his friend. And you serve yourself and you serve your sinful desires. That's why you're suffering if that's you. Uh, 1 John 1, 5-7 says this. This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you. That God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Meaning light and dark there, God is love. God is perfection. God is holiness. And darkness, God is not darkness, which means sin, hatred, evil. So in him is light, which is goodness and grace and mercy and love and kindness and perfection and holiness. And there's no darkness in him at all. And then in verse 6, If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in that darkness, John says, that darkness being walking in that hatred, that sinfulness, that that 
evil, right? He says we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, meaning we walk in his love and in his fellowship and in his perfection and, in, and, and trying to be perfect, as the Bible says we should be if we're really his, trying to be righteous, living righteously, practicing that way of lifestyle, he says we have fellowship with one another and listen with that type of walk and the blood of Jesus Christ's son cleanses us from all sin. Well, the opposite is true. Just like John said, if we walk in darkness, we do not we lie, we don't practice the truth. If we don't walk in true fellowship with Christ and we walk in darkness, then the blood of his son doesn't cleanse us from all sin. So you see, it's very simple. If you practice sinful ways of life as a lifestyle, Bible says you're headed for hell and that you're not a friend of God, but that you've made God your enemy. Jesus Christ says you'll know them Matthew 7, 16, you would know them by their fruits. Those fruits are the actions that come out of people's lives and the words that come out of people's mouths. And if the fruits of your life are sinful as a practiced way of life with a foul mouth and, and foul movies and, and, you know, whatever, fornication and adultery and, and, and drunkenness and revelries and the like, then the Bible says that you're not God's saved child and that you're not going to go to heaven when you die unless you repent, unless you turn to Christ and you surrender to Christ. And Jesus said, those who desire to come after me must deny themselves, pick up their crosses, and follow after me. It's a hard decision of the cross before me, the world behind me. I'm not going to live for this world no more. I'm going to live for Christ. And that's how you can get saved not just because you have some type of belief or just because, oh, I know, you know, God loves me and that's enough. Well, God loves the whole world. But that doesn't mean that everybody in the world is okay. So listen, though, the road of suffering, getting back to where we're at, the road of suffering that you are on, if you are living a sinful life and with sinful decisions and, and living your life in evil and hurting people and being dishonest and being unethical and being immoral has nothing to do with God allowing you to go through them. They're because of your own stupid, sinful, anti-Christ, anti-God ways. So God wants you to repent. So please don't misconceive whatever I'm saying here is that, oh, this road of suffering I'm on is because of all these things. No, as I said, who is the road of suffering for? Who, who is the road of suffering for Jesus Christ for, I should say? Well, that's meant for God's child. That's a born-again follower of Jesus Christ, living for and serving Him daily. Old Testament figures give you some pictures of, of who I'm talking about, guys like Job. Job was a mighty man for God. Guys like Joseph, guys like David, although David had his faults, he was, God considered him a man after his very own heart. David lived his whole life for God, other than some mistakes that he made, which he paid for, right? But that wasn't roads of suffering for Jesus Christ. New, New Testament examples, Paul, after Jesus Christ revealed himself to him, remember, until the end of his life, and then we got the other apostles, James, John, Peter, uh, more towards the end of their lives, God put them on a road to suffering. Remember, Stephen, at the very end of his life, was persecuted and murdered for, faith, you know, for his faith in Jesus Christ. So these, these types of people are the road of suffering for Jesus Christ. That's who we're talking about, who God puts them on. Jesus Christ's followers, who for some good reason, and it is good, 
Romans 8.28, Romans 8.28, we must believe that this, because God is good and a man of his word, Jesus Christ has some good purpose for them to be on a road of suffering for him. And he also has a good purpose for them and his kingdom as well too. So sometimes we get to understand the road of suffering during our lifetimes, like Joseph. Uh, Joseph got to see why he was sold up the river by his brothers. God needed him to be in Egypt to, to do specific things and to, be, and to exalt him when he did because he needed to save the whole world because there was a famine that was going to destroy the whole world. Joseph, God used to save the whole world. Others, other times, probably the majority of the times, we don't get to understand during our lifetimes, like Job or David or Paul and the persecuted apostles. They, they, didn't, they, they didn't really ever see. What is my road of suffering about? I just don't understand. What, what, what am I on this road for? And at these times, ladies and gentlemen, like Job, David, Paul, and the apostles, if we're on that road of suffering, we just have to wait until we get to see Christ's face. And then most definitely we will get to know the why and reason for them during either when we meet him or during the eternity that will follow. Until then, those of us that are truly on the road of suffering for Jesus Christ, we just have to trust him every step of the way and trust that he has some good reason for the road he's placed us on. And we need to surrender all our anxiety about what we're going through to him because he's showing up right now. Hey, man, woman, child, my, my son, daughter, be of good cheer. Are you on the road of suffering for Jesus Christ today? Are you on this road and this message is an answer to prayer for you? You were seeking God and you saw the road of suffering. Well, hey, I'm on the road of suffering. I wonder what this guy's got to say about this road of suffering. Oh, man, let me, let me click in here. Let me, let me see what he has to say. If, if, if that's you, oh, oh, my dear, precious, faithful Christian follower of Christ. My heart bears witness with you of the incredibly hard and difficult road you've been on, and my heart goes out to you as a fellow suffering servant for Christ. The good news is, which it is good news, uh, number one, you're a martyr. Did you know that? But you say, Pastor Ed, I'm still alive. No, that's right. You're a living martyr. Merriam-Webster defines martyr, and this would be because of the people of the road of sufferings, like Paul was on, like Job was on, right? Uh, Number one, a person who voluntarily, voluntarily suffers death as a penalty of witnessing to and refusing to renounce a religion. That's the one that's most commonly known. That's what a martyr is commonly known as. Number two, a person who sacrifices something of great value and especially life itself for the sake of principle, a martyr to the cause of freedom. Number three, a victim, especially a great or constant sufferer. And we know in the Christian faith that would be a great and constant sufferer for Jesus Christ. So to you, my precious martyr for Christ, I want to encourage you today to hang in there and not give up. And I'm telling you, as Jesus Christ told Paul, as Jesus Christ has told me, Jesus Christ still loves you. (laughs) Jesus Christ is still with you. And most importantly, Jesus Christ tells you today that he's not done with you. He is not done with you yet. 
And if I know God and Jesus Christ, and I do so well, part of that intimate relationship that I've enjoyed for this last six, seven years, more than ever before this, in my 18 years for Christ, I love him so much because the whole idea of the road of suffering sermon, which is so outside of me, listen, this is not my typical message, really it's not, it is really, it's really a special message for some special person or persons out there in this world that's been speaking to God about their past and, and are they really on the path of God? <laughs> Am I really still on your path, Lord God? Remember those lies of the devil. Oh, oh, yo, and then you, you're just like this because, you know, you've done something wrong. You rotten sinner. You evil this, that, and the other thing. How oh, dare you. You're not on a road of suffering for Christ. You're, on, you're a wicked man. You're a wicked woman. You're a wicked child. So you've been hearing those words. But he's a liar because God is so good. If you know you're in Christ, if you know you've surrendered, if you know you walk for him, if you know you live for him, and you know if you do, but yet things are still, you're on the road of suffering. God is good, and you've been asking, and he's and he drew you to this message to hear the word, the words. God loves you, and he's with you. He's not done with you, and you're still on his path. He's telling you that right now. There is your message of confirmation you've been asking God about. He, he's not left you. He's still with you. He wants you to know, and he wants you today to be of good cheer. Just as he told Paul in, in, in his, in, just like he told Paul in the same way in his situation, 1900 years ago, he told Paul the same thing. Now, do this for Christ and for me. Take a deep breath and just relax and just trust him. And trust him with whatever's going on in your life right now and trust him through whatever you're going through right now. My dear martyr, you must trust in Jesus Christ with all your heart and trust him that your suffering has a good purpose and reason for God's kingdom and God has a good reason for them in your life too. Because remember, God's good and we got to trust him. We know that all things, how many things? All things work together for good to those who love God and to those who are the called according to his purpose. Do you trust him? Do you trust him as a little child? He never promised any one of us an easy road. Some just have it harder than others. But again, even if you are on the road of suffering for Jesus Christ, as Paul, as me, as those others I've mentioned, God is always good and he loves you. He's with you. You're still on his path. and He's not done with you. Just trust him. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much, Lord God, for this message. Thank you so much, Lord God, for... Those that tuned in, Lord God, that have listened to this message in full, Lord, and, and have been struggling, Lord, because they, they started believing the lies of the devil. Thank you, Lord God, that they haven't given up on you, Lord God, that they haven't gotten offended with you and walked away from you. Thank you, Lord, that they're seeking you for truth, for the answer. Am I still with God? Am I still on the path with God? And Lord, you just showed them. I mean, is coincidence, Lord? I don't think so. I don't think so, especially if they got led to our little tiny nothing church on SoundCloud or gospelsavingchurch.com, Lord God, and they just clicked on this message, Lord. I, we're not widely known. We're not a worldwide We're not a worldwide 10,000-member ministry church, Lord. We're just a tiny little church, Lord, that's just being faithful and obedient to you. So bless them right now, Lord God. Please bless them and help them to realize that you still love them 
that you're with them, that you're for them, and you're not against them, Lord, and that you're not done with them. And help them to relax and start praising you through their trials. Thank you, Lord God. We love you and praise you. And we just ask all these things in Jesus Christ's mighty name. Amen.